The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk. With some of the deadliest exchanges of violence in recent years occurring, could Israel and Palestine soon escalate to a more protracted conflict? And can any good come out of US Secretary of State Antony Blinken's attempts to encourage peace talks between both sides? I'm joined now by international correspondent for The Independent, Borzu Daragahi. A good morning and welcome. Thank you so much. Can you talk us through exactly how this tit-for-tat violence began? I mean, it, it's been going on really for some time. Um, there has been increasing uh, uh, aggressiveness on the part of the um, uh, Israeli uh, forces in the occupied West Bank, and uh, th- that has uh, failed to. There's been any not, not been many any attempt to address the despair and economic malaise in those areas. Um, that has been a fertile breeding ground for militant groups. Uh, and uh, and and other uh, organizations, uh, sometimes with foreign backers, that have been exploiting the situation to launch attacks. Um, there was a, a, just a, a sudden surge of uh, violent activity on the part of the Israeli forces against Palestinians in the, especially in the Jenin refugee camp. And in a possible response to that, um, there was this attack in uh, uh, Jerusalem involving uh, the death, a terror attack that killed seven people, most of them civilians. And so, you know, the, and then there's more and more everyday uh, talk. The talk is escalating. The uh, rhetoric is escalating. Um, and, uh, you know, there, it's, it's really not a question of um, if there's going to be uh, an escalation, a further escalation and a third uprising uh, among Palestinians, but how uh, or even if it can be averted. The inevitable result of such an intifada, though, it tends to be defeat for the Palestinians. It tends to be defeat for the Palestinians. Yes, I, I mean the the the, Pal- the Palestinians don't have the weapons. They don't have the organization. Uh, the Israelis do have the upper hand. Um, no one said that a third intifada would uh, restore any kind of hope for the uh, people of Palestine, uh, but it's just a measure of the desperation among the people. Now, I suppose we have to remind ourselves that uh, Palestine is not uh, a country with an, an, an integral territory. It's in two bits. You've got the, the Gaza Strip and you've got the West Bank and Hamas rule the roost in, in Gaza and Mahmoud Abbas's government rule the roost in the West Bank. Um, there are suggestions that Hamas is exploiting some of Mahmoud Abbas's weakness by launching attacks from the West Bank in order to provoke Israel. What do you make of those uh, speculations? I think those speculations are probably accurate. You know, as I mentioned, there are militant groups, not just uh, uh, Hamas, but um, Islamic Jihad, which is uh, backed by uh, Iran, um, that see this as an opportunity to even further undermine the already tattered credibility of the Palestinian Authority under Mahmoud Abbas. Um, And so, yeah, absolutely, there are some intra-Palestinian political dynamics at work here. But the underlying issue is just the general lack of hope among the Palestinian people. Uh, The new Israeli government of Benjamin Netanyahu, the most 
right wing in the history of Israel, uh, disturbing even uh, Israel's allies in the United States and the, uh, other Western countries uh, with its uh, extreme plans to uh, create more colonies in the West Bank. So it's it's the, the desperation and hopelessness that is the root of the problem. And literally, I mean, they are taking property that is not theirs to take, but that's the, the policy of the Israeli government, uh, when in fact the international push was for Israel to actually cede back some of the properties that it had already taken over the last few decades. Yeah, including in uh, Jerusalem, uh, where uh, increasingly the the, uh, Israeli government is being more aggressive about uh, home demolitions and uh, uh, taking property that is, uh, according to international law, uh, under the ownership of Palestinians. So yes, this has been a, a big problem, and it only seems to be set to get worse. The difficulty with someone like Netanyahu, I mean, he was talking to Jake Tapper on CNN uh, last evening and uh, the line, and it's a peculiar thing. He said, you know, we'll sort out the relationship with the Palestinians after uh, peace has been secured between Israel and the Arab world. Well, I, I, I think no, I, he, he has to do, you know, actually Netanyahu within his coalition, um, he would much rather... Uh, spend his time making deals with Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. Uh, but he's, you know, part of a coalition uh, that includes people who don't really care about Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates or, or making deals with uh, other Arab countries. They want to build property. They want to build colonies on Palestinian land. So this is his dilemma. He's kind of caught uh, uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the middle of these two powers, so to speak. But, you know, on the other hand, the more his uh, coalition partners, the more aggressive they are, the less likely uh, the UAE, the United Arab Emirates, the Saudi Arabians, the other Arab countries want to touch him. And so, you know, if, if, if we look back at the Abraham Accords, the deal that was brokered by the United States uh, between UAE primarily and Israel, as well as a few other countries in the Arab world, um, it was, they were very, very happy when Netanyahu left and you had this more moderate government. And now that Netanyahu's back, those hopes for a, a, a bolstered Arab peace are even more mm. tattered. Now, Anthony Blinken, uh, when he was uh, addressing the press and presumably others behind closed doors, pushing the policy of the United States, which remains a two-state solution, um, it looks pretty hopeless, though, at this stage. Yeah, I mean, th- this is just, a, 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 I, I mean, most of the smart uh, Middle East and Israel and Palestine experts that I know uh, pretty much recognize that, th- th- that there's not going to be a two-state solution, that this is basically for all intents and purposes, infrastructure-wise, economic-wise, this is one state um, with a, uh, you know, what, what some describe as an apartheid system uh, with Palestinians regarded as second-class citizens and uh, those under occupation as even lower than the, the second-class uh, Arab status in Israel proper. So, you know, what needs to happen is obvious to everyone who is following this closely. Uh, one person, one vote, one country, and learning mm-hmm. to live with each other. And the longer this whole kind of fiction of a two-state solution goes on, uh, the longer that uh, yeah. the agony of this whole situation. And yet, um, to to imagine that Israel 
would accept one person, one vote, where they would be demographically outnumbered uh, already and increasingly so in years to come, they would perhaps see themselves as something like uh, a South Africa where the whites were grossly outnumbered by the number of black people and inevitably um, their, their, their political power would be taken away. Well, you know, thank goodness that you and I don't have to deal with these issues because they're very, very hard issues and very depressing if you ever visit Israel and Palestine. But, you know, I would just note, and many have noted, that, um, you know, in a, in a democracy, and even a flawed democracy like that in South Africa, the, generally the rights of the white minority are protected, and they're not doing so bad there. Okay, so that that is how you see the solution, uh, but a long way away, I would uh, suspect. I mean, when you consider, a, a, you know, the situation on this island of ours with Northern Ireland and the Republic, and the possibility someday of a united Ireland uh, protecting the rights of all populations, it's still almost beyond the horizon for us. Yeah, I mean, I, this is not my solution. I'm basically emulating and, and describing what the most intelligent experts that I recognize see as a solution for the Israel-Palestine mess. But definitely, you know, even in your country, in Ireland and Northern Ireland, things have you know gotten better over the decades. And the, the resilience of the peace that was brokered uh, that managed to survive uh, Brexit and, and the populist surge in, in in England and 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 Great and Wales and Great Britain in general, you know, it, it shows that there is hope possible. Yeah. Um, the final thing is is unrelated to our uh, conversation thus far, and that's the raid by the Israelis and Mossad is being given the credit or the blame uh, on a weapons manufacturing facility in Iran. Uh, some people think it's all about drones for Ukraine, but perhaps it's not. No, I think it's a message to a large extent, you know, that the um, Israelis can and will um, use uh, creative means, uh, even in this particular instance, uh, non-lethal. Apparently no one was injured, yet this facility was was damaged, at least somewhat. Um, and I think at this point, it's a message of how uh, uh, infiltrated uh, Iran is by Israeli forces and uh, how uh, it, uh, basically impenetrable it is. And, you know, for now, this is, I think, a first strike. Um, I think more is probably coming in the future. Borzu Daragahi, international correspondent for The Independent. Thank you very much. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.